Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Jarrell Mason, a.k.a. J. Mason, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Album Cover, where we get inside the entertainment industry with those in the know and give them flowers while they're here to be celebrated. With me right now, I have a world-renowned DJ who hails from Massachusetts and also Atlanta, and you can catch this man spinning on the ones yeah. and twos if you come out to see Mr. U-S-H-E-R-R-A-Y-M-O-N-D in Las yeah. Vegas. And we're going to get into the art behind the tape with your co-host, along with Mr. Brill and Jai. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give a round of applause for the one, the only, the incomparable, DJ Mars. DJ Mars, welcome to Beyond the Album Cover, sir. Yo, what's up, homeboy, man? Glad to be here. Glad to be here, dog. Yes, sir. I appreciate you taking the time out, and we're just going to go ahead and jump right into it. Coming from Springfield, mm -hmm. Mass., what was the moment that made you first fall in love with hip-hop and wanted to start DJing? Man, it was, so the era was like 79, 80, 81. Um, it was around that time. Like, uh, like hip, you know, we're not, I'm not from New York, but we're, we're adjacent to it in terms of the region. So anything, anything that, that um, New York was doing, we were doing. So if New York did it on the weekend, it got to us on Monday. So, you know, the hip hop moved the way it moved and we caught it the same time New York did. So I literally been rocking with hip hop, you know, its entire time. You know what I mean? Um, so so since the, the Cold Crush Brothers era, um, since the movie Wild Style, I remember when the movie Wild Style dropped. I remember kids around my way having the um, soundtrack. So it wasn't it wasn't like, Hip hop was something that we caught on later. No, we caught on to it quick. We were early with it. Um, I remember, you know, listening to to um, old Treacherous Three tapes, Kumo D, L.A. Sunshine, when that DJ Easy Lee. Uh, I remember all of that. Um, Breakdancing on cardboards, wearing the Puma sweatsuits, all of that. Like we didn't have to learn it from the movie. We were we were doing it, wearing the MC belts with the lumberjack jackets and, and, and i mean the lumberjack shirts when I, I remember all of that from 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 when it was hot not afterwards it wasn't like we caught it on the retro side no we were rocking out when it was hot so so we've been down with hip-hop from day one yep down from the source and of course this was pre-internet people so you know once everything got further south pretty much virginia north carolina on down it was old hat to up north by the time it got down south and you know once those mixtapes from new york or whatever part of the country came out it was going for a heavy resale in the markets down south mm -hmm. wow that, see, see i didn't i didn't know uh, you know because back then we, you know, everything was kind of localized, so we didn't know that other regions weren't getting it at the same time we got it. We weren't even thinking like that. Like, it wasn't even a thought, you know what I mean? Um, we weren't thinking, okay, we got it. Virginia didn't get it. We got it. Uh, uh, D.C. didn't get it. We, we, you know, that wasn't a thought. We were just happy to be involved with it, you know? 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And then, of course, down south, you got all of the HBCUs and people congregated from different parts of the country and bringing in their flavors and sounds of their regions with them. It's almost like you're trading sports cars that say, hey, let me hold this kick Capri mix. Let me hold this yeah. SNS mix. Let me hold this Ron G mix. Let me hold whoever's hot on the West Coast mixtapes and y'all will trade and convene and meet the minds to discuss the difference of the styles and origins of hip hop based on your region of the country. Yeah, I, I, what you just said is a very valid point. So I got to Clark Atlanta in 91 and a part of the formal education, you know, the reason why I went to school, aside from that, the education that I learned about different cultures within the black community, being at Clark. So you met somebody from D.C. And then so you met someone from D.C. So you understood why they like Gogo. You met somebody from Chicago and you understood why they like the hip hop that they like. So, okay, at 91, hip hop is full blown. Yo MTV raps, Rap City, it's everywhere. Video music box. So you're, you're seeing a Snoop Dogg video, right? But prior to moving to Atlanta for school, I didn't know someone from Los Angeles, but in college I was able to meet them and learn and grow with them and understand why that person liked the music that he likes because it was based around the culture in which he grew up in around his way. So 91, me being in school in 91, hip hop is 11, 12 years old. It's not even, you know what I mean? Like it's not, it's, well, hip hop started in 73, but in the hip hop that we know, it wasn't even that old. Then it, not in '91, you, you know what I mean. Relatively, um, relatively speaking, it wasn't that old. You commercially, hip hop started to spread throughout the country. Spread it, let's say '81, '82. That's when it started to make its way out of New York. So that's only ten years. You, you know what I mean? From that point, that's on, that's only ten years. Some of the artists that we consider old school artists, like Karis Ones. Run DMC to Eric B and Rakim, their career only started four years prior to me going to college. So it was still relatively new. You, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned that you got down to Clark Atlanta down to 91. And this right around the time when LaFace was getting ready to explode about the production with LA, Babyface, Bobby Brown had already set up shop down there with yep. Boss Town Studios, which later became yep. Stankonia. And then later on with another bad creation, Kevin Wells and Jermaine Dupree, Chris Cross, Ian Burke, Escape, DJ Nabs. Yep. Um, what was it like for you getting down there and just being at that point when Atlanta was really about to take the music scene by storm with everything that I was mentioning. So being inside the bubble, you couldn't really see that. So um, my, I knew who those people but I didn't know them. I, I don't think I met Nabs until after I graduated. Um, 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 you know, you knew who Jermaine was. I mean, you'd have to be blind not to know who Jermaine was at that time. But I didn't fathom that I would actually meet him. I mean, I, I know him very well now, but I didn't fathom that I would meet him. He was just like this godlike figure. You know, same same thing with Nabs. He had this. He had a song on the back of a crisscross record, and I was like, "Yo, whoever that guy is, is incredible." But I never thought that I would meet him again. I'm in the bubble. 
in. I'm at the start of the bubble, being that I'm on the college campus. But you knew Atlanta was a special place. As you said, I knew Boston Studios. I knew that. Obviously, you knew K. Wells in 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 his input, New Dallas input. Um, so I'm I'm just looking at it from not a fan's perspective, but uh, a novice's perspective at that point in time. Because essentially, I was to the Atlanta market. Yeah, and uh, speaking of DJ Nabs, I don't know if you've heard this, but there is this old mix from 1985 of DJ Nabs when he was on Waxmaster Tory's musical showcase in 1985 on WKNC Magic 88. That's NC State's radio station because I believe Nabs is originally from Durham, North Carolina. Then, of course, he transitioned yeah. down to Atlanta and made his bones there with his yeah. legendary club nights, which I hear folks will risk risking it all coming down to party and then knowing you got to go to work still the next morning probably went to work still with the wristband on <laughs> so that night in particular that you're referring to was old school Sundays at Kaya I tell people that night the DJ lineup at that night was the best DJ lineup I had ever been involved Ever. I, I, I've been a part of some dope nights, but that particular night, Nabs was headlining. I would say Doc was number two. Um, and then in no pick, no particular order, um, me, JC, and Kemet. Kemet used to hold down that front room so heavy. Like, you know, Kim is literally one of the best DJs I've ever heard in my life. Um, but that particular night, old school Sundays, any and everybody would be there. So that was one of those clubs that influenced people to move to Atlanta. So all the out-of-towners that, that, that were party in Atlanta, they would come to that club. And I, I remember people saying, yo, I moved here because I, I came to old school Sunday and Atlanta was so off the hook that I just had to move down there. I remember that energy. Yeah, and uh, with the art behind the tape, how did that come about you and Brill Enjoy talking about the history of mixtapes and going down your favorite mixtapes and the important people in front and behind the, the mixtape? Um, well, we just wanted to do a cool project that saluted um, the history of it, right? As you said, the history of mixtapes. So what we did was um, we just sitting around and said, yo, what, what can we do? All right, nobody's nobody's put out a book about mixtape culture. That's what we're going to do. So he and I sat down. We plotted what the strategy was going to be. We we got down with Ty St. Louis. We got down, got down with Maurice Garland. And everybody put their piece into the puzzle. Um, we knew we wanted to make a book that exemplified um, mixtape culture, but we wanted to do it. We didn't want to just focus on just the DJs because that was the easy part. So what we did was we wanted to focus on the art, hence the title, the art behind the tape. Um, so the book, if you if you get a copy of the book, um, the book has a ton of dope interviews and the dope artwork because we're saluting the entire picture, no pun intended. We're talking about the mixtape, the DJs, boom 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 but then also the art because the art is relative to the marketing so we just wanted to take it in a different direction yeah and what your podcast along with the book has done for me being a pre-team at the time when the kid capris ron g's mixtapes came out able to go to youtube dig those out and be like okay 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 these are hot these are hot especially the ron g mixtapes and you put me on g Boda pro and dj double r they're blends 
crazy, especially yeah. that old school R&B mixtape when they mixed in the Shalomar for the loving you into Janet Jackson, Let's Ooh, Wait a While, right. and Frankie Beverly and Maze. Before I let go, I mean, it takes work to make sure those blends come out perfect and flawless to me listening to those blends and those mixes almost equivalent to what latin rascals were doing with their mixes yeah man um i mean so you know they weren't the only ones they were just the ones that i liked right so you you, you also had grandmaster vic you had the amazing duet you have my man dj hot day from queens um dog time i mean there, there's plenty of blend blend DJs just to, for me, my personal um, Ron G. You don't really you don't get any higher than Ron G. And then then Gbo the Pro and Dub Law like so they took it to another level. They added production value to the tape. Ron would actually make remixes and then put acapellas on top of it. And so the whole the whole production style from a music industry producer point of view, the whole production style of R&B artists singing over hip hop type beats came from that energy. Like Mary J's first album was basically a blend tape. First and second, maybe maybe the half of the third was basically a blend tape. Her singing over those hip hop beats, all of that was influenced heavily, extremely heavily by those tapes. Those tapes were that influential. So you know how they say Mary is the queen of um, hip hop soul? It's mm -hmm. because of that. If if those tapes didn't exist, if that energy didn't exist in the streets of New York, Mary's albums would sound different. I'm not saying we wouldn't have Mary J. Blige because God knows we need her. Her music would have sounded different. It was heavily influenced by that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that what's the 411 remix album i still yeah. bang and that was where you got to give credit to puff and the staff at uptown for being able to merge the street and the suite and just being able to mesh it all together and of course teddy and marley mall and everybody who had a hand with new jack swing and hip-hop soul and just finding mm -hmm. that merge and i want to say this one guy who Dope producer, dope songwriter. He's no longer here with us. Never, I felt, got the credit that he was just due because people only saw him as part of the Fat Boys. Prince Marky D. I mean, that Prince Marky D in the Soul Convention yeah. free album, bananas. Yeah. The Love Daddy album, yeah. bananas. Yeah, yeah. him along with Chucky Thompson. Um, yeah, in incredible, in incredible, incredible. So I give Puff the credit for understanding that that energy on the streets, those mixtapes on the streets need to be transferred over to records. Like, like he, he got that, he got that and he did it. And he understood it better than, better than most people. Yeah. And for me, you know, being a preteen in rural North Carolina, for me, getting that red cassette, so, so deaf bass all-star mixtape, with Ghost Town DJs, my boo, yeah. I ain't no J, love you down. I'm like, okay, this this joint is fine. Then hearing Raheem the mm. Dream, DJ Tass, everything that was coming out of Atlanta, it made an 11, 12-year-old me want to be like, hmm, maybe I could try to sneak into somebody's trunk and maybe go to Freaknik, even though I couldn't go. <laughs> but it was just that Atlanta <laughs> was just on fire at that point and then set the stage for what's to let it come with Outkast, Goody Mob. T.I., Ludacris, and the whole rap revolution that came out of Atlanta. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Atlanta has had some beautiful and shining moments. It still does. Still, it's not like the day is over. Um, some beautiful and shining moments. Uh, you know, you had DJs like Smurf, Hizzy Rock, DJ Jelly, Monte, the Oomp Camp. They they kind of put that on, like the King Edward J style mixtapes, where they would play the, they would have basically Planet Rock is the underbeat, and then and then they'll have like a, a slow jam on top of it. That's what kind of gave birth to the social death base all stars that energy as well it, it's the same thing it's taking it's fusing r&b with the bass sound the backbone of the bass sound is the song planet rock by so africa band by the soul song um but those guys pioneered that in atlanta you know the king edward jays the 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 smurfs the 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 um dj jelly um all of that, those Kizzy Robin dudes, like that's that's their sound. Yeah, and um, speaking of Ludacris, before he became a rapper, he was a radio personality at uh, formerly known Hot 97.5. He was known as Chris Lover Lover, along with DJ Poon Daddy. And I believe Lala and Ryan Cameron was also at that station. And then when he released back for the first time, it was just a repackaging of the Incognito album, which was a regional record. And they just took a few songs off of the Incognito put some new songs on, and that's how we get back for the first time, I believe, for Ludacris, for his national debut. Yeah. I, I'm going to give you some history that you may not know. Me and Poon were classmates. We were both taking classes um, in the communications department at Clark Atlanta. Then Poon gets on the radio. Him and Chris and Lala are on the show. Future Flavors, I believe it was 6 to 10 every night. I was the DJ for the mix show on Friday evenings. So it was in in the studio at one time, every Friday, it was Chris Lover Lover, Poon Daddy, La La, and myself. Every Friday night, that was the team. Man, that is so, so crazy that everybody's all in the same room. And then for me, the Golden Era mixtapes was early 2000s. For me, that was... High school with DJ K Slade, Absolute, Who Kid, Green Lantern. I mean, <laughs> if you had a working computer, DSL connection, and access to LimeWire, Kazab, BearShare, Morpheus, Winamp, that Piff, you were moving units in the school hallway. I mean, that's how I built my mixtape collection up. And that's where I first heard of Kanye West because it was off of the Dream Team mixtape. And I heard Champion. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, man. I was stuck for maybe about 30 minutes. I played champions three times because I was like, who is using this queen sample? And <laughs> little did I know that Kanye West was going to be the Kanye West he would become and then college dropout hit. And for me, I was sold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you you were you came around during the digital era. Um, we have a chapter in the book called The Days Gone Digital, and we talk about how how digitizing mixtapes, how it made them global instantly. You can put a tape on the internet and then boom, it's everywhere, all over the globe at once. Yeah, or you would go to your local urban fashion store and they'll sell the mixtapes because a lot of the mixtapes back in the day, they'll have the phone numbers you can call where you can get the wholesale or it would be get bootleg because I went to a local urban outfitter and get DJ Clues, the professional, 
part two. And that was solely for the MJB and Jada Kids back to life, but everything else was just as dope. But to see the evolution of the mixtape DJ to where hip hop now, 50 years, where corporations are begging to get in bed with hip hop, residencies, everything else. And like Biggie said, you never thought that hip hop would take it this far. So what was your take for you being from the ground floor to seeing where it is now taking people that would be standing on the corner doing something not positive to where we have hip hop billionaires now with Jay-Z and Dre. I mean, I love it, man. I love it. We always, I mean, the, the culture deserves to get paid for its service. Like we literally hip hop culture influences youth culture around the globe. I mean, I, I've literally seen it. I've, I've been, in Dublin, Ireland, and seeing Irish kids looking or trying to look, doing their best uh, impression impersonation of kids from Atlanta. I've seen it. I've been in Japan and seen kids looking like us. Like I've been in South Africa and seen South African brothers looking like us over here in the states. Whether the us in the states means Atlanta, or New York, or California, I've seen it. I've, I've seen it, I've seen it, I've seen it. So um, American youth culture influences youth culture around the globe. That's that's a fact. Yes, it definitely does. And I want to not breeze past this fact that I felt New Edition introduced hip-hop to a wider audience. Here's why. Because if you notice, when they went on tour, when they were at their height back in the mid-'80s, they would take a lot of hip-hop acts on the road with them, Houdini's, Fat Boys, UTFO. That was kind of the back doorway of letting hip-hop come in to the venues because at the time, the venues wouldn't let hip-hop promoters get the venue because of licensing issues and concerns with violence and everything like that. And then if we later go to BBD, their movement with the boot, sneakers, mentally hip-hop smoothed out on the R&B tip with a pop feel appeal to it, merging street and sweet and how when we look at when TLC debuted with four on the TLC tip, the look was very reminiscent of BBD. Yeah. Well, I, I when hip-hop tours existed before before that. Right. I, I get what you're saying, but they yeah. hip-hop tours that, because, I mean, there was tours in the early 80s, the Fresh Festival mm -hmm. um, existed before New Edition. I mean, before right. BBD. Right. New Edition and a Fresh Festival probably their birth date is close to the same time, mm -hmm. but I, I get I get what you're saying. I get what yes. you're saying. They what BBD did was help make it cross over to an R&B laced audience by mm -hmm. taking that hip hop energy. Hip hop had already been on tour, um, right, all, all over the place. But there's some validity to what you're saying. I, I get what your point is. Yeah, yeah. Can't can't forget the Fresh Festival chorus put together by uh, Mr. Michael Malden, JD's dad, and uh, future producer Chad. Dr. Seuss Elliott was a dancer on that tour and one of the first big tours to get sponsored nationally. Sprite, Fat Boys had to deal with Swatch and. One more thing I want to get with you on before we wrap, since I know you're pressed for time. Tell us about the residency with Mr. Usher Raymond, because I know it's one of the hottest tickets in town, and you may never know who you're going to be there, who's going to be there, so get your tickets. So tell us about Usher's residency. It's 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 so dope. Um, 
literally Usher says this during during the show. He says, I brought Atlanta to Vegas, right? So if you let look at Atlanta as the culture king um, of the United States, um, basically he took all of Atlanta's energy and placed it in Las Vegas and said, come see me, right? There's people, there was, there was, um, there was, I, I met some audience members yesterday from Brazil. The kid was celebrating his birthday all the way from Brazil in Vegas with Usher. Um, I've met audience members from as far as Australia, right? So it, this kid, not, not Usher's not a kid, but um, this guy, Usher, he's making the globe come to him and he's selling you Atlanta. Like that's huge. There, if you look at the 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 list, the hierarchy of R and B, current R and B, current R and B meaning artists that were born in the last twenty years, career wise born, there's nobody higher. Like comparatively speaking, and I know some people are gonna be like, "Man, you tripping?" If when you look at the list, Michael Jackson and Usher. Like, I, like I, honestly, so obviously we know there's no topic, Mike, right? Mm -hmm. But when you look at the list in terms of longevity, years in the game, records put out within that time span, 30 years, who else is topping us? No, there ain't, there ain't nobody. I mean, you, got, you know what I mean? Like, you got Mike, you got Prince, um, and then you, you have to throw that, you have to throw Usher in a conversation. It's like when you're talking basketball and you're talking goats, right? So you talk, everyone, they compare the two or three. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and now LeBron. You you have to put Usher in that greatest of all time conversation. That the, the reason why you can't, why you'd be lying if you didn't is the other two that someone may be like, oh, you know, they're higher than him. They're no longer here. So Usher still has the capacity to make hit records because he's still here. You you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he got another twenty years in the tank. Period. Yeah. I mean, so he is the the residency. I mean to cut you off. My bad. The residency in is an example in the celebration of his thirty years in the game. Musically, we take you from point A to point Z, and every letter in between. There's a song. For every emotion, there's a record for every emotion. There's a moment for everybody. And the, the show is centered around Atlanta culture, respectfully. Yeah, and I hope you guys dig into the archives and go with some album cuts off of the first album because I'm a huge fan of that first album. I felt Whispers should have been mm. a single off of that first mm. album. And I felt people slept on that first album because it felt like the production and songwriting with the work with Puff didn't match and then Usher didn't really hit his groove until he linked up with JD in my way. And then that's where everything started to go boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you're saying is right. You just explained it perfectly. That's right. Yeah, man. That's right. So um, so another quick question. Um, who are some of the DJs that you like to listen to when you're not DJing? Who are your favorite up and comers? Um, up and comers. It's kind of hard because all the DJs that I listen to, they've been in it for a while. Um, my man Jay Tech from Atlanta. 
um, Popo from Atlanta, dope. But they, you know, they're they're younger, so I don't want to call them up and comers because they definitely have been putting in work. My man Supreme from Atlanta. Um, I when I'm not working, I listen to a lot of house music. So Salah, um, he has some dope production that I, that I like listening to. My man DJ Kemet, love listening to him. You know, those are both Kemet Salah, like my favorite DJs. Yeah, yeah, and uh, another DJ that I think you probably like would be uh, DJ B Man out of Charlotte. His stuff been played mm -hmm. by some of the heavy hitters, DJ Jazzy Jeff, Quest Love, got co-signed by Grandmaster Flash. That's a DJ that you should definitely check out and that I recommend. Uh, before we conclude, any shout outs you want to give before we wrap and where can people find out more about the projects and where can they go to get tickets to go see Mr. Raymond? Man, so we'll start with the back. Ticketmaster is your best friend. Ticketmaster, you go directly to Ticketmaster, get tickets to see Usher. Um, you can find me on Instagram at, at DJMars404, um, at DJMars404. Um, if you want to buy the book, artbehindthetape.com, artbehindthetape.com. If you want to watch the podcast series, um, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Art Behind the Tape. Um, we drop a new episode every Thursday. It's nothing but pure hip-hop content. Some great interviews, crazy interviews. Um, and that's it, man. That's where it is. That's where we at with it. Yes, sir. And you can catch this interview wherever you stream podcasts and on YouTube at youtube.com slash beyond the album cover. Be sure to follow the Facebook page at facebook.com slash beyond the album cover. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the world-renowned, the incomparable, the one, the only, Mr. DJ Mars. Thank you for coming on to Beyond the Album Cover, sir. Thank you for your time. Peace, bro. Thank yes, you. sir. Yes, sir.